Good morning, everyone. Is it well with your soul today? Is it well? My sermon is titled Walking the Walk. And I think back when I was growing up and hearing that phrase. There's a lot of negativism, you know, suspicion, doubt, hypocrisy being pointed out. And people would say, well, they don't walk the walk. Or you're not walking the walk. And isn't that really what our walk as Christians is to be? Doing what we say. The word's got this this really hard hard phrase in scripture, and it's called hypocrisy. And I know most of you love it when somebody points out your hypocrisy. Don't you, raise your hand if you just enjoy that, because you're lying. <laughs> no one wants to hear that. No one wants to really be that. But we as Christians need to be prepared not to be. Walking the walk is about preparation. It's not just a catchphrase, walk the walk. It's not a cliche. It takes preparation, planning. If you're a student... The day of your exam is not the time to study. It's mostly men that are laughing because they remember being that way in school. (laughs) I can identify with that. But think of it this way. If you're a surgeon, is the day of your patient's surgery the time that you need to Google that operation you're supposed to perform? Man, I hope not. Another way to look at it is if you're a soldier, an airman, and it's time. Time to strap in and gear up for battle. It's not time to check with the maintenance people on that glitch you had on your last flight. Or on your last mission when you had this issue with your weapon. And it's certainly not time to familiarize yourself with your weapon system. Now is not the time when you're stepping out, stepping into, or jumping off into battle. It's not the time. And those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ Our going into battle is not the time to open your Bible. It's ahead of time. It's the before time. Believe it or not, I had hair at one point. I didn't have a beard at one point. 
and I was actually into Cub Scouts. I was a cute little boy. I'll tell you, I was just cute. You know, I had the little scarf twirled up with the little slide and everything, and I had my little handbook. Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts have a motto. Be prepared. Be. Be being prepared. Don't wait. Now could be the time. Now could be the time before it's now or never. I didn't always think ahead. My father questioned if I I thought at all. (laughs) But uh, he would, he would say to me, think. There's that and there's another expression he used. And after a while, I thought they were my middle name. But that one, think ahead. I would do some stuff. Um, How many of you just kind of did stuff when you were younger? And uh, you look back on it and you echo maybe what somebody else said to you at the time. What were you thinking What were you thinking? How many of you are familiar with a tractor? You know what a tractor looks like? You know those rear wheels with that great big tread on it? They can go just about through anything. I found out you cannot drive one through a pond. (laughs) I was young. I knew how to start it, but I didn't know how to finish it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have started it. We need to think ahead. My dad was an aircraft mechanic. He was also a sheriff in in Los Angeles for 10 years. And, you know, he he loved airplanes, loved aircraft, you know, whole story there. But... As a mechanic, he took his tools seriously. You're all familiar with that term, sanctuary. If you ever saw Remember the Titans, Denzel Washington comes out on the field at night and the lights are on. It's empty. And he says, this is my sanctuary. For us, this can be considered our sanctuary. For my father, his toolbox was his sanctuary. And he was the high priest no one else entered in. (laughs) But I learned a lot from him about preparation. I was in the mechanical field for a long time before I... I, uh, I heard God uh, telling me to change careers, change path. 
but I learned from my dad how to keep a toolbox, how to keep your tools, how to organize things so that at a moment's notice you had what you needed right then, right now. Preparedness, being prepared, the word itself, prepare, simply means to be ready ahead of time. Be ready ahead of time. Principle of being prepared can be found throughout Scripture, whether it's in reference to a person, meal, or an army. Preparation has and always will be necessary for successful living for Christ. And it's not just in the domain of the physical. For us, preparation has mostly to do, really, with the spiritual. Are you prepared spiritually? Do you want to be more prepared spiritually? Are you striving for that preparation on a spiritual level? Luke 12, 29 through 40. This is when Jesus was teaching, and he said this, Do not seek what you are to eat or drink. Do not keep worrying. For all these things are what the nations of the world eagerly seek, and your Father knows that you need these things. Verse 31 says, But, Just some basic principles, a therefore, a wherefore, a but, an and in Scripture. Pay attention. But seek his kingdom. Seek ye first his kingdom. Briefly, that is Jesus Christ reigning in you. Seek you first, his kingdom. Are we part of the kingdom? Yes. Is the king here? No. But we're still part of the kingdom. Seek ye first, his kingdom. And, I'll add the word then. And then, these things will be provided to you. How many of you know the name Jehovah Jireh? How many of you know the definition of that name of God, Jehovah Jireh? What does it mean? God provides. God provides. So when these things in Luke, when Jesus is talking about these things being added, they will be added by none other than God himself, Jehovah Jireh. It says it this way in Genesis 22. I love this. It's a beautiful passage. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then God said, 
take now your son. You know this, where this is going? Yeah. Whom you love, Isaac. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I tell you. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He split wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place of which God had told him. See, understand, Abraham had prepared. He was walking the walk. He was ready ahead of time. Verse 4, On the third day Abraham raised his eyes, saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there. We will worship and return to you. There's a whole lot right there about Abraham's faith, saying we will return, but that's for another sermon. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, laid it on his son Isaac, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and said, I can just picture this, Dad, here I am, my son, Abraham replied. And he said, look, the fire, the wood, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide. For himself, the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood, bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, and he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not reach out your hand against this boy. Do not do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. He was prepared in his heart to do something that we find horrific. For I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. There's another only son mentioned in the Gospel of John. For God so loved the world. He did offer him. And Jesus went there because he was prepared. He walked a walk. He walked a walk that we couldn't so that we can attain heaven through Him. 
Abraham raised his eyes, he looked, and behold, behind him was a ram. That's not a dodge. It's a little levity right here, because this is pretty heavy. There was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place the Lord will provide, as it is to this day on the mountain of the Lord I will it will be provided. Your mountain, my mountain, God provides. Are you ready for what your part is? God doesn't do everything. He did everything necessary for us to achieve salvation. And now it's up to us First, to accept that gift of his son, but then we take on responsibility of living a certain way. Get back to the Luke passage at verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, because your Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. How many of you feel worthy of inheriting a kingdom, a holy, righteous place, sinless, spotless? I'm not on my own. I'm only that way through the blood of Christ that cleansed me. He says, sell your possessions, give to charity, make yourselves money belts that don't wear out. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes, nor does a moth destroy. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Verse 35 says, be prepared. Be prepared. Can you picture Jesus almost imploring, please be prepared? Because he loved the world. That's not cosmos. That's not physical stuff. It's people. And he's saying, be prepared. Keep your lamps lit. You are also like a people who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will prepare himself to serve. Get the switch here. The servants are now being served. 
He will prepare himself to serve and have them recline at the table, and he will come up and serve them. Whether he comes back in the second watch or even the third and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. Do you consider yourself a slave to Christ right now? (laughs) I answer yes to that. And about 10 minutes later, I realized I'm off the reservation again. Life happens. You get news. You're driving in traffic. You happen to cross the river and end up in New Jersey. That will threaten your salvation. (laughs) Verse 39, but be sure of this. That if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not think he will. Are you ready for his coming? Are you ready right now? Get ready and stay ready. There's a, an image, a story, a description in Scripture talking about the return of Christ with a trumpet. If you hear the trumpet and you haven't accepted Christ, it's too late. It's too late. You will not be raptured. You will live through terrible, terrible times called the tribulation. It's time now to be ready. And think about our preparation in these terms. Preparation is always toward or directed toward an end. In John 14, verses 1 to 3, Jesus, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. How many of you are struggling right now with just that? I mean, if you watch the news We live in troubling times. Would you agree we live in troubling times? Give me, uh, just humor me. Raise your hand if you believe that we live in troubling times. Great. Do not let your heart be troubled. Your head, maybe. Your brain, sure. We're reasoning people. But the place where Christ resides, don't let it be troubled. Believe in God, Jesus said. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, because I am going there to prepare a place for you and you and you and me and you. 
He's go. He left two thousand years ago. Can you imagine a builder today taking two thousand years to get a property fixed or or completed? Well, it better be pretty good. And believe me, from what Scripture describes, heaven as it's not just pretty good. It's not just really good. To quote God from Genesis, it's very good. Very good. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you will be also. He told the disciples he was leaving to go to heaven to prepare. That wasn't all that Jesus told them. The result of his going to prepare was that he was coming back. All we are waiting for are just a few little things. Israel's been back in the land since 1948. There's not a whole lot left to do before the rapture. There just isn't. But think about it. Part of our preparation in this life. Why are we here? Preparation must have purpose. purpose. Nothing about God or anything God does is arbitrary. God is a God of purpose. He sent Christ to earth with a purpose. He created us with purpose. The purpose of Jesus' coming was to reveal the Father's forgiveness through his own death. And the purpose of God in calling his human creation to the new birth was so that we in like kind might reveal our Savior to others. We're not Jesus. Okay? I, I, I think we are. Most of you know that. Um, but, you know, we're supposed to be like Cupid, you know, where we set people up, you know. And we're supposed to set the unbeliever up with Christ. Keep your arrows sharpened. Keep your quiver full. Our Savior can identify with our weakness, with any person's weakness. In First Peter two nine. In First Peter two nine. Raise your hand if you know I love First Peter. Okay, I love First Peter. He says this. But you, talking in chapter one, he says you're you're this dispersed believing group. You've been tossed out of where you used to live. You're on the run, more or less. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. Because we've been adopted by the Son of God. 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. How many of you believe that we are at times quite peculiar? You should stand up here, man. I mean, you know. Of course, you guys are going, yeah, but we're all looking at you. Peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's why we're here. We were chosen for the purpose of showing off our praises to God to everyone we meet. What does showing our praises to God mean? It means simply to tell forth or to proclaim. That word praise, what does that mean? Well, funny you should ask. Because I did some work on this, and I've actually got an answer, so just hang tight. That word praises in the Greek is arete. Arete. How many of you would like to give the definition of the word arete? Anybody? Well, then let me just continue. For most of you, it means nothing or very little. But the usage of that word in the times of the apostles goes something like this. Arete. Praises. Is really virtuous thinking. And moral goodness. Wow. Flash over to the last bit of news you might have heard about the state of the world, the country, whatever. There's not a whole lot of arete going on. But for us, for us it's different. When Peter was saying, and he says it several different ways in First Peter. It's simply this. We must show Christ-likeness outwardly because it comes from the inside. You get that idea, okay? Virtuous thinking and moral goodness. This is internal. This is internal. The only possible means of this happening would be the Holy Spirit of Christ indwelling us. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect because you're not. Only those born again can ever successfully, consistently, and genuinely demonstrate Christ to a dying world. See, our problem is that we have this war inside. I think I read that somewhere. Oh, yeah, it was in the Bible. It says that we have a war raging inside of us. Yeah, you were born again. I hope every one of you here, I hope all of you out in television land are saved. But it doesn't mean that the old man died. The old man should be in the process of being killed by us. Put off the old. Put on the new. Paul wrote about it in terms of mortify in your flesh. Means kill. But we must strive to be more like Christ every moment of every day. We need to be prepared. 
Change doesn't happen on its own. I want to explain it. You probably already know what I'm going to say or how I'm going to say it, but change that is only outward isn't change. It's really a disguise or a costume. Think of a child, and today certainly think of some adults that dress up for Halloween or other things. What do they usually put on before they go outside trick-or-treating or somewhere? Does a young person or even some adult get dressed up just to stay home? No. They go somewhere to pretend to be something that they aren't. It's all on the outside. They are all child and adult alike, just pretending to be what they are not. We see it in our society. Just because somebody dresses a certain way or identifies themselves by some description, it doesn't change what they are on the inside. Humans cannot change what they are on the inside. Only God can do that through the new birth. Our God's desire and intent, again, this purpose, is for us to be and look differently externally because and as a result of change that took place on the inside at our new birth. It is a process. There is not one believer who was born again and ceased from sinning. But every person who is truly born again is free from the power of sin. Amen? That was weak. We are free from the power of sin. Now I'll move on. I want to finish by saying this. If you're really a student, the day of the exam, not the time to study, a student is not someone who simply sits at a desk. A student is one who is one on the inside, whose desire is to know. A surgeon, day of the patient's surgery, that's not the time. A surgeon is really a person uh, not who holds a scalpel, but one who is on the inside transformed into that vocation or perhaps a calling. That's a surgeon. The soldier, the airman, strapping on for combat, a new weapon system. Now, a soldier is one who has the heart of a warrior. And if we're followers of Christ, going into battle, that's not the time to open the book. A true disciple of Christ, a real follower, and a slave of Christ, as Paul described himself, a bondservant, is one from the inside. And what is inside of that new us, 
needs to show forth in genuine praise to Almighty God as salt and light in a lost and dying world. That phrase of we might be the only Jesus people see or hear or observe, whatever, we might be it. And this is especially true when you're being lied about. Let God speak through you. Don't speak up on your own. I know probably none of you have ever done that. But I just want to encourage you, if you are doing it, stop it. Okay? We don't do a good job of representing Christ when your anger level is like up to here. Men behind the wheel. Just saying. Especially when a person tries to intimidate you. Anybody notice intimidation going on out there? Let God strengthen you fiercely. Let God do it. Meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That word meek, a great definition, is strength under control. It needs to show forth that we are his when our freedom is being stripped away. Just remember that no person can take from you what God has given to you. Amen? You guys need practice. When false assumptions are being made about you because of your faith in Christ... Let Christ-like words and works demonstrate to that unbelieving world the one who dwells securely inside of you. I've got more of a list, but I think you get the point. Walking the walk is no cliché. Both walking and talking take practice. We had a visit from a dear friend yesterday with her, uh, I think, uh, what, is, what is more, about 10 months, 12 months, something like that, a little toddler. She was determined. She was determined to get around. And when I held her, she was determined to get away. (laughs) I know you're asking yourselves, how could this scare anybody? (laughs) Be prepared, people. Be prepared. It says in and out of season to give a reason for your, your hope and salvation your hope and forgiveness, the way you handle things. Be prepared. Be prepared. I want to send out 
a greeting to Mr. Wilson, Pastor Chuck's dad. He's in the hospital, probably getting a stint for his heart, heart cath. They're not sure. But, sir, we're praying for you, and I hope to hear from you soon. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we face another week, as we face however long we have, that, Father, we would be prepared. We would be diligent students of your word, diligent in prayer for strength and growth. I pray, Father, that you would help us, enable us, encourage us to walk the walk, especially when we don't feel like it, especially when the world is so threatening. Help us to remember that your son, who knew full well what was going to happen, it says in the Gospels that he set his face towards Jerusalem. Lord, help us to remember that that we know that you love us, you strengthen us, you indwell us, you empower us, you shield us. Father, give us a good week, a strong week that we can look back on and say, as Horatio Spofford wrote, it is well with my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.